One of the main advantages of startups is speed. You execute quickly so you can grow faster than your competitors, and then you take the incumbents down, right? That's how the story goes. Well, unfortunately, going fast and executing quickly is a little harder when you're remote because you're not in the same room. You can't get together and whiteboard out a problem, right? Remote makes it a little slower, which really matters for a startup, which is why I'm really excited to introduce our new sponsor for forward-thinking founders, Sidekick. Sidekick is a hardware device that connects remote founders with an always-on video. With Sidekick, you just turn and you talk just as if you're sitting in the same room. It's great for teams that are working on something from scratch and are working all the time founding a company. Luckily, because you're a listener of forward-thinking founders, you get Sidekick for a discount, $5 off per device. So if you're interested in having an in-person feeling, in-person environment with your remote team, feel free to go to sidekick.video slash FTF to get $5 off a device per device. So you could save up to $20, $30, $40 a month by going to sidekick.video slash FTF. So if you're feeling the remote woes, you know where to go. Sidekick.video slash FTF. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Wes Wagner, who is a founder behind Align. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me, Matt. Really glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know the first time that we talked, we just jammed for like an hour about all the things, future of work, and like just future in general. And it was great. <laughs> Happy to have the conversation this time on the record, on record, which is great. What are you working on with Align? What, if people haven't heard of it, you know, can you describe what, what it is? Yeah. So, um, yeah, my name is Wes Wagner. I'm the founder and CEO of Align. And Align is a platform that makes it easy for companies to launch and scale income share agreements. So, um, if you're in the startup sort of in future of education space, you've probably heard of income share agreements. Um, if you haven't, they're an alternative education financing instrument. Um, they're an alternative to, you know, uh, student loans. And so instead of paying, you know, uh, or getting a loan and paying a certain interest rate on that loan, um, you actually only pay once you get a job earning above a certain amount of money and you only pay for a certain period of time without any interest. So um, what our platform does is it makes it really easy and just a few API API calls. We manage everything that's needed from generating the actual you know, compliant con- income share agreement contracts to uh, verifying your customer's identity, running an alternative credit check to make sure they're trustworthy, uh, that they're going to pay you back later to actually, you know, verifying, uh, 
they're managing the e-signatures and then verifying um, their income data and setting up repayments and just automating collections and all that. So this is pretty powerful because you have Lambda School that kind of was the, was the, the, I mean, ISAs existed before Lambda School. Lambda School really like kind of made them pop. And now there's a lot of people that want to start their own school, do education, and want to do ISAs. And like, it's like not easy to get started. Um, so like, I guess the question for you is like, why did you decide to start this now? Um, I guess in other words, another way I want to ask that is like, just what's the origin story? Like, like how long have you been working on it? Why did you decide to start it? And why ISAs? Why not something else? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, in college, I wanted to drop out just because I saw how like I was working online and working for startups. It was great. And, and, you know, the education system wasn't working for me. I ended up staying in school, but um, I started working on sort of the future of learning and work startups at that point. And uh, the most recent startup I had worked at um, was called Microverse. And that was similar to a Lambda school, which was, uh, you know, it was an online school that taught people software development and didn't charge them anything until they got a job. Um, and we did that. And, you know, anywhere in the world. So when I, I joined as the first employee and I helped it scale from five students to 500 students. And there I just realized, holy cow, uh, or, or rather realized it even more that there's just such this gap between really talented people all around the world and uh, the op actually the opportunity to, to really take full advantage of, of someone's you know, talent and, and you know, help people live their full potential. So um, I, you know, the start was growing quick, but I just realized that it was time for me to make my debt in the universe and do my own thing. And so I left at the beginning of this year, not necessarily knowing if I was gonna start a line or what I was gonna start, but just knowing that I need to help build tooling to accelerate the space uh, because it is just a shame and an economic inefficiency that there's really smart people all around the world that just have never had opportunities. Um, and so the more I dug into this, the more I realized that um, the, the biggest thing that the space needed was not tools to, you know, accelerate a Lambda school or accelerate a microverse, but really just to help more of those education startups get off the ground uh, because it's just such a complicated mess getting started you know, from realizing that, okay, let's play lawyer and take one of these existing contracts and just edit it to, Oh, how am I going to make sure people are going to pay me back to, you know, all, all of the, um, you know, email communications and forms and everything in between. And I'm like, you know, what? I want to, I want to build that because I think that's going to accelerate this trend the most uh, in connecting talent opportunity in the world. Yeah. I love that as kind of an outsider, but also not an outsider. Like there's people living in different countries, no access to any of this stuff. So like sometimes I feel like an outsider, but I'm not an outsider. This, like I, I'm like, I'm very lucky to live in Arizona and in the States. What you're doing is like you're allowing anyone, like anyone to build a platform to serve anyone. How'd you figure out how to do it? ISAs are like not that intuitive, like, right? It's like kind of <laughs> difficult. How did you figure out what to do? And how do you even like know if, I'm sure like you're still figuring it out because it's early stage company, but like, how'd you know where to start? A lot of idea maze stuff. So, <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, at Microverse, we, we, we basically took a gamble on these income share agreements all around the world. Not because we have some, you know, alternative uh, mechanism of, you know, uh, incentivizing or making sure people would pay back, but rather just like we had a different model so we could take a little bit more risk. And so, um, you know, what we learned is that, holy crap, people actually paid us back. And um, so from there, I started thinking about, wow, like, why is that? Um, why do people pay back? How do you, you know, what's our current credit system like and how do we currently structure credit worthiness in, in terms of investing in people and, and relying on deferred payments 
And uh, I think you know, the first rabbit hole was just realizing our whole credit system is broken um, in terms of like how we currently assess credit, at least in the United States, is like an impersonal, impersonal repayment history um, uh, that, you know, that, that FICO score kind of encapsules, encapsules, as well as like, okay, do you have a house or something I can seize if you don't pay back? But really, like, that's inefficient. Like, at its core, like, credit is just trustworthiness. And so that was one of the, the first insights is that, okay, how do we just assess trustworthiness at scale? Um, and then, you know, there, there's a, a bunch of different rabbit holes in the space, but uh, basically, you know, you just have to have a compliant contract at first, and the U.S. is the most kind of restrictive in terms of consumer protections. And, and so uh, we're fixing that, just getting rid of that, that legal hurdle. Um, so that's just requiring more of our investment into you know, compliance and, and legal. And then it's the, uh, the, the credit check, which we're creating alternative credit check mechanisms, which is like, okay, how do you assess credit worthiness or how do you assess trustworthiness without checking a FICO score? And so how we're doing that is just verifying the willingness of friends and family uh, to, you know, invest alongside of a school in your education. Um, so it's kind of a mixture of like a Kickstarter supporter and a co-signer somewhere in between. And then um, the, you know, Repayment collections is just a lot of exploration around, um, you know, where's the data transparency and in income now? Uh, for a business, you can see the data transparency in their revenue um, just in, the, in their business bank account. And you, you know, like their payments go through Stripe. Um, with consumers, it's a little bit different, but it's the same sort of thing. It's like a revenue share agreement for consumers. And so there's more and more technology to actually see uh, the data that, that you know, um, about someone's personal income. And we're just aggregating all those tools. So um, I wouldn't say it's, it's one in insight in terms of the whole process, but really, you know, I've spent the last five months digging into this uh, and, and only now are we starting to launch the first version. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing all that. It, it's really interesting how you break down the different elements of what's needed for an ISA, because I think that there are some platforms that will go unnamed that like, I think like sometimes like made it like too complicated but like too cumbersome and what if it wasn't that what if it didn't have to be that hard um and that's kind of where you're where you're coming from who would be the who are you trying to get to use this um i guess on the the people that want to start their own schools is it like you want to start a giant school do this like another lambda school or microverse could a one person do this for five people how how Kind of what's this for? Who's this for? Yeah, all, all of those. So the go-to-market is more of the um, the tech career coaches that are currently helping people, you know, prove their online portfolio, their resume, and all those different things, and helping them get a job. Um, and they just, you know, they see income share agreements as a sort of a, a different pricing mechanism that's more aligned with the value that they're providing. Um, but really, you know, there's a there's a sort of new wave of career accelerators that these sort of look like. Um, professional social networks, um, like an on-deck fellowship, for example, um, is, a, is a kind of a fellowship for, for tech talent going to explore their next career or startup. Um, there's also just, you know, apprenticeship uh, platforms or, or relationships like that. That's actually something that I think is going to be a huge um, kind of a, a demand for income share agreements is we're starting to see the rise of, of apprenticeships again. Uh, and those disappeared the, the 15, 1600s and, and just really haven't made a resurgence. Um, and then another one is just the, the new wave of trade schools, both digital and physical. So, you know, physical trade schools, there, I, I think there's going to be more and more trade schools for like, you know, mechanics or um, I've seen, a, you know, certified nursing assistant uh, businesses use income share agreements. And then in the digital sphere, it's like marketing jobs, sales jobs, um, of course, coding, design, all those different things. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, I think there's a huge, uh, huge market out there and we're only starting to see the beginning of it. And that's just because it's just way too hard to start one of these things. And this is a topic which I've spent a little time thinking about, but I don't even know how to think about it. ISAs are in some ways like equity, right? Like in some ways, like you almost like you, you almost like invest in, in a person and hoping that they will appreciate in value, AKA like to the market. And then you will get paid back later. Do you, do you see ISAs like equity? Like, like do, what do you think of this whole realm of like investing in people and are ISAs the vehicle to do that? Yeah. So great question. I actually don't view ISAs as equity because you know, equity just, I think by definition, uh, usually would have like an uncapped upside. And so, you know, ISAs I, I see are, are more of just, um, a financing instrument, you know, they're not debt, but they are a payment obligation. Um, and they are, you know, a credit instrument as well. Um, so I see, yeah, ISCs, ISCs is, is simpler than that. And actually I think they're just a, they're just a sort of a return to the origins of education financing, which was, if you wanted to learn a skill in the 15th century, you go to a guild or master apprentice that teaches you and incurs the costs of teaching you and you pay the, them back directly through your time spending working for them. And so then, you know, Harvard launched uh, their, you know, university and, and they launched loans themselves uh, in the early 1800s before there was like a third party student loan process. And so um, I, I actually, I just see ISAs are very simple. It's just going back to the, the origins of education financing and uh, less of you know, an equity instrument. Let's talk a little more about that apprenticeship model. Almost like, almost like selfishly, I'm like interested in that for myself because I this I get, I get a lot of people that reach out like they need help, and I thought once like oh what if I just charge cash and but like it kind of like doesn't make sense like not these are people without money. Um, so like, how would someone launch an apprenticeship with this? Like, is it? Can you kind of explain a little deeper? Is like I'm personally interested in that. Yeah, I mean, so if, um, you know, right now that I see that the market inefficiency is like, you've got a lot of talent and knowledge and can probably help other people land a job or like increase their income in some way. And I look at it, I'm like, why does that transaction not occur? I mean, it might occur because you're just a nice guy and you, you help people out, but uh, where's the incentive besides your goodwill to, to actually help people out? And so, um, you know, you might be like, okay, I can create a side hustle, just helping other folks get uh, jobs. You create a business entity, you know, and then you're like, um, you, you literally sign up on, on online's website, you, um, you know, create maybe a, a type form and have the type form send data to lines to send, you know, the, the customer's first name, last name, email from there. Um, you know, after you go into a line and say, Hey, I want all emails that come from, you know, Matt Sherman and they come from Matt. Uh, here's maybe my, my personal brand logo. Um, a line then handles like sending them an email saying, Hey, like we need to get to know you a little bit better. Um, but that comes from like your email, not a line's email. Um, and then they, you know, go to a type form to submit their personal information. So we, we kind of, you know, align automates the verification of who they are. And then there's all those other steps along the way from the alternative credit check to the, um, you know, actual, uh, you know, signing the ISA. We're just automating all that. And from your point of view, you get email notifications when like someone's ready to actually start the program, or you can log into the dashboard and see, okay, who, what's the most recent activity of all those folks that I was, uh, that I've sort of onboarded. Okay. That person's going through the credit check still, that person's signed the ISA. Um, and you can also see just a dashboard of like what your cash flow has been from maybe your existing customers over the last uh, month. Um, so that's just kind of a brief overview of how that would work. Yeah. It, it's, it's awesome. It's like, 
like I want to do something, you kind of do the heavy lifting and then you let me know once it's good to go. And then one more question on, on this front and then we'll go kind of big picture and, and ask is, so let's say I, um, like this might be something I do actually, like I didn't, I just thought of it right now on this call, but like I got, you know, I got 250 founders, you know, that have been on this podcast. I know a lot of people, I get this is a random person be like, yo man, I only got a job. It's the only guests. And let's say I just like, for whatever reason, like, I don't know this person. I like wanted to make this into a business. I don't think I would do this cause I like helping people for free. But if at some point if I want to do something different, is it like they would go through the process you just said, I would hook them. I would help them find a job, the right job, good founder, et cetera. And then they repay me in chunks as they get their salary and that's automated. I guess, can you describe if, if everything works and then I do my job and like get them a job that like increases their income two X, whatever. Um, how, like what happens then on my end? Like what, what's that user experience? Yeah. So, uh, and this gets into some of the, the secret sauce that we're working on, but like basically, um, you know, if you're working directly with them, you're pro you probably are helping them maybe negotiate a job offer. And so you know exactly when, um, or you know exactly sort of what their, their salary is going to be because uh, you've been negotiating that. You just click a button and we, at that point, um, set up their sort of auto pay and connect into their bank account to, to do that. Or um, you know, uh, we might use some technology to, to hook into the payroll providers. And so we're actually um, you know, taking out the payment as they're, they're getting the income. Um, and the money would go straight into your business bank account. Um, and you know, you know, we're not in the business of payment processing. Payment processing is moving money. We're in the business of billing, which is you know knowing when and how much money to move. Um, and so you know, depending on uh, you know you in the United States, you might. Uh, and, and I've still got to figure out. I'm working with Stripe to understand how they view income share agreements. <laughs> um, but you might choose to you know move that payment via Stripe in your Stripe account. Um, or just move it directly from their bank account to your business bank account using like an ACH transfer or something like that. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's a lot more stuff that like, you know, right now, and actually that's kind of the biggest thing what we're doing like right now, um, there's not a ton of data transparency around an individual's income. There is for business income. You have a business bank account and you see exactly what sort of money is flowing into it and they probably have an accounting software. For an individual, it varies tremendously depending on, you know, what their income sources are. Like they might have a job, but they also might earn money on the side. They might have different bank accounts. And so what we're doing is just assembling all that together to, to know exactly what someone's you know, income is and, you know, when that increases and how much that increases and all that sort of stuff. So let's say you, you figure all these pipes out, you know, the all, all the stuff you, you got to figure out, right? And you get a million people posting income and share agreements and you become a massive success and you're just like the, the ISA company if you want to do ISAs. In a decade, you know, assuming it just gets big, what do you think, what does this look like? Or I guess in, in other words, like what's the big vision and what direction are you rowing in? Yeah, so, um, and how I might like to preface that is that we're entering a really great period for the internet, which is, which seems a little contradictory with everything that's going on. But, um, you know, how I viewed the early internet was that there was peer-to-peer uh, -peer interactions over relatively low trust, low value transactions. So I might, um, you know, uh, list shoes for sale on the internet and might send them to you. Well, that was a good positive sum interaction. I wanted to sell them. You wanted to buy them. Wonderful. Positive sum. Everyone wins. Um, next take of the internet. Let's talk about maybe the 2010s. Um, now we have a little bit higher trust and higher value transactions. So you would literally maybe, you know, Airbnb rose and they, uh, you know, 
facilitate transactions around lodging. You'd stay somewhere else, someone would host you, pop, you know, positive sum, both of us win. And Uber, same sort of thing, but for, for transportation. In this decade, I see those transactions, um, you know, are, we're now entering a period of even more trust on the internet and even higher value of transactions are for facilitating. And so I see a rise of, you know, uh, several different platforms that are going to look um, kind of like a mixture between uh, Facebook and an online school that are being, you know, social networks for people to connect um, and not over like cat videos or memes, but rather connect because those interactions between the individuals help both of their learning and career journeys. And so the transactions we're actually optimizing on are not e-commerce, they're not transportation, they're not lodging, but they're actually you know, income increasing transactions. Um, and so like I see a mixture of, you know, small startups in the mom and pop uh, companies that are, or, or kind of mom and pop schools, as well as a few big um, companies that I think are going to rise in the space that aren't going to look like a traditional school. And they're going to look much more like a digital guild, if you will. And, and so, you know, more experienced folks are going to be incentivized to teach less experienced folks because they might get a cut of their income share agreement or they might get paid or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, I just, I just see, um, you know, a line helping empower that and, and we're just the transaction layer to, to empower that. Um, and, you know, eventually become, the, we aim to become the biggest, uh, bank in the world for those companies. Um, so, you know, there's, it requires a lot of capital to actually educate folks, not get paid till later. Um, so, you know, we're going to be better, position than anyone else to actually help finance those businesses um, so that they can continue growing. Um, and, that, and that's actually uh, one of our sort of unique, you know, insights is that, uh, you know, a lot of income share companies and sort of bad press in the space has been about uh, people bundling and selling income share agreements. And I look at that as just destroying the beautiful incentives that um, income share agreements allow. And so let's supercharge those incentives and let's empower those, um, not try to, you know, uh, go back to the old way of like, there's a third party student loan servicer. Well, that's a very lofty and incredible vision that you're painting there. And you'll need some help to make it happen, right? Like you'll need yeah. create like teach type school starters, right? You'll need students, you'll need employees. You might need investors if you want, if you're trying to go down that path. But what I can guarantee you what you will need help from or who you'll need help from is the forward thinking founders community. So for my uh, last question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help? Are you hiring looking for users, you know, anything like that? Um, what's an ask that you have for the listeners? Yeah. So if um, anyone listening has been thinking about starting a side business or their own business where they're actually helping others, um, you know, find their passion and, and get a really, you know, a life changing job, uh, please reach out, you know, with or West at with um, as well as just, you know, if you're outside of, a traditional tech hub. If you're outside the United States um, and you're listening to this podcast, we're trying to build a global diverse team of people that are passionate about the future of learning and work and bridging the gap between talent and opportunity. So, um, you know, I, I'm trying to be, uh, I don't want the team to be full of a bunch of folks um, from Indianapolis where I am right now, or even, you know, Indianapolis in San Francisco and Chicago. I'm trying to be a global team and my, you know, my co-founders from, from Barcelona. And so, um, yeah, you know, if you're if that you know mission aligns with you, just I'm always interested in meeting you know folks to to add to the team. And we're not hiring right now, but um, you know, it's great to make those connections with with folks that are passionate about those things. And just to confirm, to make sure people know, if they want to find you online, um, you know, Twitter, email, whatever, what's the what's your URL? What's your social links? You know, how can they get in touch? 
Yeah, so uh, the website is, um, you know, withalign.com. Um, my email is wes at withalign.com and my Twitter handle is at caffeinatedwes. So C-A-F-F-E-I-N-A-T-E-D, Wes. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm usually pretty active on Twitter. Twitter DMs are open. Um, and that's a, a great place to contact me. All right, Wes, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Matt. It was a pleasure.